You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Beautiful Boy. So how you doing? I'm doing great, you know, just, um, um, just doing what needs to be done. What does that mean? I'm sorry, Dad, um. Why don't we just have lunch and talk? We can do that, right? Mm. Please. You think that you have this under control. I understand why I do things. It doesn't make me any different. You're just embarrassed because I was like, you know, I was like this amazing thing, like your special creation or something, and you don't like who I am now. Yeah, who are you, Nick? This is me, Dad, here, this is who I am. This is not you. This is not you, Nick. What are you doing, huh? You always gotta be controlling everything all the time. Let me, let me book your room no, at a hotel for no, a couple of nights. Dad. I don't want it to go like this. My son has gone missing. Nicholas Sheff, S-H-E-F-F. There's no one by that name, sir. There are moments that I look at him, this kid that I raised, who I thought I knew inside and out, and I wonder who he is. I thought we were close. I thought we were closer than most fathers and sons. Why? I felt better than I ever had, so I just kept on doing it. This isn't us. This is not who we are. My son is out there somewhere, and I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how to help him. You can't. I don't feel like I have a disease. This isn't like cancer. This is my choice. I put myself here. I failed. I can't do it alone. I need to find a way to fill this black hole in me. I still have a family. I want them to be proud of me. What you have, you're gonna find it again. You're gonna get it back. Do you know how much I love you? I love you more than everything. 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 All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Beautiful Boy, and the story is as follows. Teenager Nicholas Chef seems to have it all. Good grades, editor of the school newspaper, actor, artist, and athlete. When Nick's addiction to meth threatens to destroy him, his desperate father does whatever he can to save his son and his family. The film is starring Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet, Maura Tierney, and Amy Ryan. It is directed by Felix Van Groengen and written by Luke Davies. Joining me for this review, I have a guest. I have Aaron White from the Feelin' Film Podcast. Say hello, Aaron. Hey, Matt. I'm so glad to uh, be able to talk movies with you. Yeah, this is actually a first for us? It is. It is. Long time Twitter interaction and social media, but never actually an episode together. Well, this is actually pretty exciting. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I've been a big fan of yours now for a very, very long time. You guys review a uh, film a little bit differently than we do over here at Next Best Picture. Why don't you tell all of our dear listeners uh, what it is you do over at Feel and Film? Sure. Yeah, we uh, we take a little bit of an emotional slant to our reviews. Um, you guys seem to focus more I don't want to use the word technicals, but you're, you're very locked in on awards potential. Um, and I would almost say almost more critical criticism, whereas we like to let our feelings take us away. Um, I host the podcast with my best friend, uh, Patrick Hicks. And so we just really like to approach film from 
the standpoint of how it made us feel, just like it's in the title, and uh, it's a good time, and it's it's a fun way to go in-depth about a movie that we've already seen and try to take something out of it that we can use as uh, impactful in our everyday lives. So the old saying, so tell me how this makes you feel. I'm sure that that gets thrown around a lot. <laughs> well, over here for today, we are taking a look at a film that is definitely hitting people in the feels. And there was a specific reason why I wanted you to come on for this, actually, Aaron, was because I knew you could bring that perspective to this review. And also, um, you're a father as well. I am. So I figured there would be a lot in this particular story for Beautiful Boy uh, that you could lend a certain perspective to I thought would be very helpful for this review. So why don't we first uh, pass it off over to you? What did you ultimately think of Beautiful Boy? Well, I got to tell you, the initial reaction that I had coming out of this film was one of slight disappointment. And I think that's because I too was expecting more of an emotional response from myself. And I didn't have it in the way that I thought a movie like this should generate. I really enjoyed the performances. I think that this film from a technical artistry point of view is incredibly well-made. It's gorgeous. Uh, Some of the cinematography is just absolutely beautiful stuff. Reminded me kind of like the aesthetic of Call Me By Your Name, actually, in certain scenes. But man, I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was just too long, Matt, or... Just a a little bit of an awkwardness in the editing. Some of it didn't work for me, but I had a hard time connecting with this on a deep, deep level. I, I feel like I got the message of Beautiful Boy and the importance of it pretty early on. And then it was just a whole lot of lingering telling me the same thing over and over again. So now it's very interesting that you bring that up, actually, because I had... A slightly different reaction to the film and we'll go into some of the details behind that but at the same time I think I'm left with sort of the same empty hollow feeling that you're expressing here I was expecting to go into this and to come out a bawling shriveled wet <laughs> crying mess yes yes and I think the number one reason why that did not happen for me was because, and I hate to say this because I do like him a lot, I think it was Steve Carell. The story is told mostly from his perspective, and he is the character that we're supposed to be sympathizing with the most as this father who's doing everything he can to save his son from himself. And Steve Carell has given great performances, dramatic great performances, before uh, Foxcatcher immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But this was a kind of role that, while I felt he was definitely giving it his all, and it's not a bad performance, I just felt he was miscast. And I don't think I was ever able to overcome that, because there were more than a few scenes where he has to yell a lot, and I just kept thinking of Michael Scott, and I just kept thinking of, you know, Steve Carell on screen just being like, no! He is my boy. I have to help him. Right. And I'm just like, ah, man, like, I don't know. This is like grading almost to me. I think you're right. 
I think he nailed it. I mean, I really enjoyed the performance overall, but I would absolutely agree that it's harder to get lost in him than it is to say like Chalamet. I mean, you can you can understand why Chalamet is the prodigy that he is when you watch something mm-hmm. like this. Contrast against that, exactly. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was leading into. I don't want this to come off as like I hated this movie or anything like that. I just feel like Carell for me throughout the entire film is the anchor that weighs this movie down practically for me. But Chalamet, on the other hand, oh yeah, you say prodigy. Yeah. Such authenticity and a believability in his performance that comes through here in so many ways. And it's not just the scenes that would be considered his quote-unquote Oscar scenes where he's battling it out with his father. There's yelling, there's finger-pointing, and there's crying, and you don't know who I am, and you know you don't understand me, and all that. It's the way he nails the look in his eyes that dazed, out of it, strung out, confused look and like the way he carries himself and his posture. And this is just a really fully embodied performance. One that is so different than what he did in Call Me By Your Name that, yes, I agree with you. Watching him on the screen in this movie saved the movie for me. Yeah, I I mean, absolutely. That's the thing is you can't not recommend this because it's art at such a high level uh and the filmmaking of it even if the story doesn't draw you in in a way that you want it to or doesn't well see now i'm actually gonna take it a challenge on that because i'm actually the exact opposite oh i i was drawn into the story because i did find a lot to sympathize with in terms of here's a father who like any father wants to protect his child but his child is of the age where you know, he's no longer a little boy anymore. And I know the title's called Beautiful Boy. But, you know, from the father's point of view, he'll always be that beautiful little boy. But there comes a point where, you know, your son becomes responsible for himself. And there just comes a certain point in a parent's life where that question, and maybe you could speak to this more, that question of, is your child beyond saving at a certain point? Like, at what point is it like, I've given everything I possibly can, and at a certain point, you just, for your own mental sanity, you just say to yourself, "Um, they have to be held responsible for their actions, and I can't intervene anymore. I've literally given all that I can. Or is a parent supposed to never give up and always keep trying? I, you know, and it's interesting because I thought that this film kind of brought that into question. So from that perspective, I was very much with the story. The cinematography and the other things that you were talking about there in terms of the filmmaking, like the editing, for example, those were aspects actually that the film lost me on more so. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, the uh, I'll agree with you on the editing, though, 100%. I, you know, I'll, I'll go there first. The flashback way in which this story is told, we get a lot of basically memories that are being projected. And I don't normally have a huge problem with that method of storytelling, but... I do when it's not clearly defined. The breaks here are sometimes jarring or you just don't know they're coming. And all of a sudden we're in the middle of a scene and then we're in the past and then we're in the present and then we're back in the past. And it kind of was hard. It kind of took me out of the movie a little bit because I was trying to always process like, where am I at? What is happening? Yes. Where am I at on these two different timelines at the same point? And it's a weird feeling because some of those scenes were actually pretty effective. Things like when, you know, 
a memory pops up of them, you know, having a, a moment of drug use together in the past in a joking manner. You know, that's a powerful moment. But the way that the film is edited, I just I agree. I don't think it's it's perfectly done, uh, and it and it does detract from it. But with regards to the story, I I I'm probably being too harsh sounding on it. It did impact me. I think it just peaked and didn't follow all the way through for me. Um, you're absolutely right. There is an element here for parent that is terrifying. When you see Steve Carell discovering pieces of the past that his his son has hidden from him, um, that made me scared to death. The idea of what might be hidden under my son or my daughter's bed that I don't know about and that I'm never going to know about or I you know may find later. I actually thought back a lot to my own past and what I did as a child, and I don't know if, if that's something you may have done when you were watching this, but you know, I, I, there are elements of this story that I could relate to um, in that regard. But yeah, the parenting and, and trying to decide whether or not to give up, uh, there's a moment toward the end of this film. I, we're not talking spoilers, right? Oh, no, 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 no. No spoilers. So there's a moment toward the end of this film that is definitely one that got me a little bit teary. Um, where Steve Carell is is trying to wrestle with that decision of whether or not to give up. Yeah, I know exactly the scene that you're talking about. Yeah, and it's it, it was hard for me because I was putting myself into his shoes, and that's what a good film like this does, is it lets us experience this through someone else's eyes and someone else's you know life that we are not able to necessarily resonate with directly because we haven't been through it. Uh, and I don't know. I, I tried to answer that question for myself. Where would I go? Would I be able to give up on my son or would I always push through? What would I do? And frankly, I don't know, Matt. I think it's going to be different for everyone. I don't know that there is a right answer. I do know that I gained a lot of empathy watching a man who was going through this with his own child and wishing I could fix it for him because it hurt. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean because there comes a point in this movie where, you know, it was actually funny. Somebody asked me after I saw it because I saw it, I saw it a while ago. I saw it like more than a few weeks ago and a bunch of people were asking me like, Oh, what kind of a movie is it? Like, and they were like, is it a recovery movie? And I was like, no, this is a relapse movie and it's exhausting. And you feel Steve Carell's exhaustion while you're watching it. And that helps to play into uh, the moral dilemma that we're talking about here. And it does definitely kind of culminate in that scene over the phone and um, that, that wonderful moment that Carell has. I would argue it's probably his best moment in the movie. But one thing that also disappointed me about this is that you have more tyranny and you have Amy Ryan in this movie. And I kind of got the sense that not enough was given over to their characters and for their perspectives on the story and what was going on uh, with Chalamet. And I almost felt like they were too much like side characters. And, you know, that was kind of glaring to me considering they are the two main female characters in the film. Yeah, I'd almost love to know what the real, what the book, I gotta, I'd like to read the memoirs to compare because if this if these two women how much were these two women in his life and in this how much was it really the father david chef pushing forward on his own um you know he's divorced from nick's mother 
and he has custody. So his mother just isn't in the picture for most of this period. But there is a point where he does live with her for about a year. He does. And I I don't know, maybe the film's trying to show us that she was kind of checked out during that period and she wasn't as present as David tries to be. She wasn't on top of things. Maybe that's what it's getting at. Maybe that is really what happened. I don't know. But I agree with you. It's hard because when those two actresses are in scenes, they shine and they they do very well. There's one one of the best scenes in the movie. Oh, the van is the van. Yes, it's oh, the most, yeah. the most mm-hmm. mom thing ever. Is when his stepmom kind of reaches <laughs> reaches a point that she just can't take anymore and acts on that, and it is so moving and so powerful and so realistic and authentic. Um, and you wanted more of that from her. I agree. Oh, yeah, 100%. Especially because that scene was so impactful. And that's kind of where I wanted to be for the entire film. And there was there was just an imbalance with this movie, it felt like at times. Definitely the editing, which we talked about before. But I also, I, I, I'm not a big fan of when the score kind of manipulates you into feeling a certain way mm-hmm. um, so much. Uh, this score was one that, to me, was like your typical this is a weepy drama and we're going to play sad music to make you feel that way. And it just came off as very heavy handed to me at times. And that did not help with the editing issues. Cause there were just some rough transitions in this movie that, you know, jumping back and forth from the past to the present, like you said, it's confusing and the music cues kind of play a role with that as well. So all of those pieces just somehow for me just never seemed to click together. And what really did hold this movie together uh, was the performances even though, you know, as we're kind of talking through them here, even those were sort of a mixed bag in a way. Like, I like I, right. I, I think everybody gives it their all. Yeah. Everybody really gives it their all. But only, God bless him, only Shalomay really clicked for me with this. I think, I think that's just almost an unfortunate fallout sometimes, though. When you have an actor that is transcendent amongst his peers, like, I mean, that's shout to me. He has proven now in multiple films like this he is a he's a tom hanks he's a denzel washington he is oh i actually think to tell you the truth and i've made this comparison before i think that he is our next leonardo dicaprio there that is that's fantastic that's actually i would 100 percent agree with you there he's got the rabid fan base he honestly he's like two steps away from having a titanic and just blowing up like this is his basketball diaries, and it's just exactly it's it's a matter of the budget of the film. What you know, a blockbuster, and maybe that's Dune. Maybe Dune is the movie that's going to somewhat do that. I, mean, I know it's a little more on the indie sci-fi scale, but yeah, he's he's absolutely on that level. And I think because of that, when everybody else is still great, <laughs> they look less great because he's on that plane of of just blow mind-blowingly good and and he really embodies the character to the point where you forget it's him almost you know you realize to me it was nick chef it wasn't timothy chalamet he just does strung out so well i mean <laughs> like you know it's interesting because i was thinking about performances like aaron paul and breaking bad for example and a couple of others, you know, there have been other some like meth addiction dramas before, but with like him in particular with Timothy Chalamet, he just had that quality about him. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know what to call it other than what I kind of called it for call me by your name is he just has like this, this it factor. There's some sort of a charismatic quality about him on screen that, and it's not the fact that he's, you know, a ridiculously good looking 
you know, young guy. It's, it's just like, and, and, I, and I laugh at this a little bit because there, <laughs> there were scenes in the movie where uh, people wanted to play with his hair. And I was just like, oh, if that's not a wink and a nod, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, it, you know, there, he has a certain quality about him um, that when you watch him on screen, you just can't take your eyes off him. And I, I don't know what it is yet. He's still so young in his career that I don't know if I could formulate exactly what it is about him that makes him special. I just know that he is. Yeah, I think he just has a he has the ability to do different emotions all at a high level. And when it doesn't matter whether he's strung out, he's he's completely believable as strung out. He's also completely believable as depressed or in love or um you know legitimately trying to recover from this drug addiction like there are points in this film where he is trying his best and that's really what the story is trying to show us and that's why it's it's an important film like i think that it is very educational and can be inspirational at times because it's showing us just how much the claws of this kind of addiction gets in you to the point where you no longer are in control, it feels like. You can't make that decision on a big level. Like, everything is against you. Um, and he sells it. He sells wanting to be better just as much as he sells, you know, being in the throes of that grasp of awfulness. Yeah, and there is a bit of research that Steve Carell's character does in the movie into meth addiction that, like you said, it can lend itself well for this movie to be seen as educational for younger audiences, perhaps. I'm, I'm not sure if this is a movie that would be shown in schools or anything like that. Maybe they'd have to edit out some parts. But I definitely think that this movie serves as a good PSA, at least, in that regard. And it does have... Um, it has good intentions. Let's yeah. put it that way. I just don't think the execution was all fully there. And speaking of that execution, I have to ask, what did you think of this film's ending? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is definitely not going in a school when we have like a literal like three minute long lingering scene of a needle in an arm. But um, those those were uncomfortable, those moments. I wrote down in my notes at the end of this, I wrote down, final shot left me feeling weird. Is that it? <laughs> yes, exactly. I felt the same way. And then I, and then it went to black. I was like, text over black. Here we go. And sure enough, it came up. And I was like, really? This is how they're going to do it? Oh, there's not much I, do. I like worse than text trying to finish the story. I, I dislike that so much. Now, I do want to just say, because I know that people are probably internally screaming right now as they're listening to this i get that this story is not over i get that there is still a continuation and there is still an ongoing battle and for all we know maybe the battle is never over for nick and david chef and i think that that's the point that they're trying to say like like i said earlier this is not a recovery movie this is a relapse movie mm -hmm. and i guess what for me the issue i had with this was after going through what we went through, which was a very hard, painful, and arduous experience watching um, this family struggle to stay together um, through uh, their son's uh, meth addiction, I felt like this film really, really needed one of two things. It either needed to hit us in the gut really hard or 
it needed to provide something a little bit more uplifting. And I think they tried to go both ways with it, where, hey, this is uplifting because, well, this ain't really a spoiler alert if you read up on it. Hey, he's not dead. But, hey, gut punch, this is still not over, and here's all the lists and facts we're going to provide for you at the end of the movie of where everybody's at today. It's like, I I just, I didn't know how to feel walking out. I had no idea what was supposed to be the ultimate takeaway in the end. I didn't either. And right before this, we get a a wonderful kind of monologue by a character, a parent, who has lost a child that is kind of meant to give us that perspective um, for what his dad is kind of feeling. And it's it's strange because I guess this is where I say I feel like it got repetitive, and and it's because it didn't have closure. If you – the whole movie is Nick – Drug use, relapse, trying to fix it. Drug use, relapse, trying to fix it, which is how this goes. And you're right. There's no ending to that. It's just another moment of, okay, we're in the stage of, hey, we're trying to be clean right now. You have to ask yourself in the screenwriting phase, what is the ending of this movie then? And if there is no suitable ending and you want to instead do the open-ended Uh, open-ended ending because, well, A, that's really the truth of these characters, and B, we're also trying to have a commentary on this is how life really is, and there is no end. And here's what I would say to that. If that's what you're going to go for, then you need to kind of hit it hard, and you need to really solidify that message a little bit more clearly. I'm not saying that they... Like, I'm not saying I like I think that the ending is bad or anything like that. I just once again, execution. It's all about execution. I just feel like uh, this director who uh, did, did this really wonderful film called The Broken Circle Breakdown. If no one's ever seen it before, you really need to check it out. It's it's something else. I know that he has the talent to tell a story like this, and I just don't know what exactly didn't translate here. But you know what? At the same time. It seems to be working for people. People are seeing it and they're 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 loving it. So hey, maybe we're the weird ones here. <laughs> maybe I I don't know. Maybe he's relying on the the real life knowledge of the memoirs and the fact that you know anyone who Google's this story knows that Nick is alive and well and he's eight years ish sober, I believe, at this point, uh, according to what I found. So see now that see now that's that's once again if you're going to try to go an uplifting sort of ending highlight that more right and really hammer that home it just felt like the film tried to have it both ways at the end and in in the process of doing so like there was just confusion i i just i did not know how i was supposed to feel and i felt like as i was watching this entire movie leading up to that this movie was being very very blunt like i said manipulative in some cases about how it wanted me to feel yeah i i did not feel that at the end of this film, Nick was better and going to be on an extended path to recovery. I did not have an understanding that he was at that position in his life. And I think it needs to either hammer that home, like you said, or make something up to make it more dramatically interesting. Because it's a movie. It's, it, it's a hard line to toe because you're still trying to be entertainment. <laughs> As, I mean, you're not a documentary. Uh, and, and we needed something more. I agree. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I think if you like the ending to this movie, that's great. And I don't think you're wrong. 
but it just didn't work for me. Simple as that. <laughs> I did want to say, I you know, I, I was sitting with someone who has gone through quite a bit of, of this kind of issues. She's worked in recovery. Um, she has a career in social service work. Oh, wow. And she said that this was incredibly authentic. It hit her very hard. It was a much different experience for her than it was for me. Whereas my biggest connection to this personally from what I've only experienced is, you know, I, I've had my moments with drugs as a child or as a teenager that many people have. The thing that I re- took out of this was a moment where Nick's kind of, you know, recreationally using drugs and it changes over to that hardcore addiction type of use. And I had that experience at one point in my late teens, early twenties, where I tried a certain drug one time. And I remember being very vividly aware that I enjoyed it too much. And that if I was to continue doing that thing, it would lead me down a path of not being able to stop. And so I chose never to do it again. And I think this film does a great job of selling that message that recreational use can lead to that before yeah. you know it. And and that everyone is different. That some people may be able to get away with that. Others, it's going to grab a hold of you and control you the way it does this character uh, or this person and you know ultimately can wreck not only your life but that of your entire family. See that's that's part of the thing that that did hit home to me too is this is not just impacting Nick and Nick's dad who's trying to save him. It's impacting the stepmother and the two siblings. Gosh, watching them look up to Nick and be oh, sad. Yeah. That wow. is one of the hardest parts of this movie to watch. Is yeah, that was really rough. Them not understanding what's wrong with their brother. Especially when you see the scenes where uh, Nick is being that idolized older brother for them in a state of happiness and comfortability and everything is good and this is the way that life is supposed to be it's supposed to this is like the happy the happy phase you know where everything is just right it's it's all the more soul crushing yeah to have it in the back of your mind that this may not last and at any time he could go back i have to ask you this question i was i was planning on ending it after we discussed the ending to the film but i have to ask I know that he starts off with, you know, one thing and it graduates to another, like you said, and so on and so forth. Do you feel that the film does a good job of exploring the why behind uh, Nick's drug use? Um, Like, what is he hoping to get out of it that life itself was not giving him? And what's your overall take on that? We don't get a good enough sense of it, no. Um, He, I, I was pleased that we didn't get an overly dramatic you know i've been bullied and this is what's pushed me to this it was much more subtle i think that's kind of important is that it's not like one big event that suddenly turned nick into a drug addict it was just recreationally trying things and he says in the film several times you know that it just made him feel good and so he wanted to deal that way again and that led him to more you know once you become desensitized to one high you look for something that gets you that next level of high or you need more to get high again so i think that that was really the trigger for nick and not necessarily 
one big emotional event, although the film does give us some sense that, you know, he's struggling with the divorce of his parents and, you know, the splitting up and having to you know live between the two of them. But I, I do think it could have been a little more clear in that regard. It's not, it's not definitely thrown at you in a very blatant way. Yep. I have to agree with that. I think that that's pretty much where I land as well with this movie. And that's kind of how I feel almost about the whole movie in general is that the film just wants to have a lot of things both ways. Doesn't really take, I think, a definitive stance. It leaves it very open-ended. There is a fear that kind of permeates its way through the movie in the sense that almost like depression, um, you get the sense that this could happen to anybody because there is no defining actor moment that leads him to it. It kind of just, it just happens. And Mm -hmm. that is a really scary thing. Once again, I just kind of wish that those were the themes that were being more explored than this uh, uh, just it, it, it's it's one of those things where I, I i conceive that the film has the best intentions it is trying but it never just quite hit the mark for me yeah there there's another great scene like that too uh, uh, where it's trying to tell us about drug use and how it begins and where it can take you with include uh with regards to a girlfriend uh, later in the film oh and, yeah and it kind of just it's a very powerful thing that's happening and it kind of gets dropped and just forgotten about and there's yeah. no real resolution to that either um but I, so i was mixed on that you know i was like oh hey great thing that you you're showing this is how it happens but what about her story like why are you don't use her for dramatic emotional manipulation and then just let forget about her you know if you're gonna bring her up we need to to be able to see that she has some sort of path that she's going on as well this is very very difficult material to adapt for the screen i admire them for trying and i do think they do get some things right but like like i said mixed bag at this point what i'd like to do is i'd like to pass it off to any final thoughts anything that we didn't discuss um if you have something you want to say feel free to say it if not uh you could just say you're great out of 10 we don't do 0.5s here at next best picture so whole numbers only out of 10 and if you want to comment on its oscar potential that's fine i have a few thoughts to say on that myself but aaron feel free to take it away yeah i think the last thing i'll say is there's a line in this film that you need to be aware of and be kind of prepared for it's it's a main theme that goes throughout it of relapse is part of recovery and approach that with thoughtfulness for yourself don't necessarily let this movie just preach to you and tell you that that's always going to be the case um i don't know that it fully explores that that (laughs) that's one of those like great script script lines that I had my friend who works in this area had some issues with Um, the idea of believing that you are going to relapse and you need to accept that, that it doesn't have to be like that. So something to, to think about when you're, you need to be mindful of this film and you need to engage with it and not just take everything that it gives you as kind of the bare bones. Like this is how everything is. Um, with regards to Oscar potential, real quick, I will say Chalamet is, to me, he's Oscar worthy. I don't think this film is going to do well enough to vault him into a very, very crowded group this year. The box office could help. 
Yeah, you think? I don't. I. I would. I don't think it's going to. Maybe the critical reception may not be there. It's one of those things where it's fifty-fifty, and yeah, I'll comment on this a little bit too because I'm right there with you. Where I remember watching this and thinking to myself, the same exact thing. He's Oscar worthy, and I could see him getting in, but I could also see him missing. And I say this because. The overall film is not being critically well-received enough that I think he's going to be a default nominee all throughout the season. I think some people will leave him off because they just don't like the movie. But I also could see a scenario where everybody just likes him and he rises above it. And I I mean, like, I certainly feel that way. I think he rises above the film in many ways, and I would definitely single him out, too. Um but I just don't know. And so from a prospect standpoint, I think he is the film's only prospect. Carell okay. is not getting anywhere near that. The screenplay isn't. Picture, director, all those things. Not coming anywhere close. I wish the supporting ladies could have a chance because there are some really great scenes for more tyranny, especially in this. But it's just not quite enough. And people are not talking about her in the same way they are some of her contenders right now. Chalamet is this film's only shot, and by extension, because that is the case, <laughs> it makes him less of a shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. I'm right there with you. Um, my grade is six out of ten. Okay. Okay. I, I'm I'm a little bit more down the middle. There are things that I like. There are things that I don't like, and I ultimately don't know which way to lean. I don't know whether I liked it. I don't know if I disliked it fully. I'm just like stuck somewhere in the middle, and when that happens, I have to give it a 5 out of 10. I can't decide, and as a result of which, um, I, I would still recommend that people watch the movie. So maybe that is kind of pushing me towards the 6 a little bit, mm-hmm. but I can't recommend it in the sense of like, you're going to enjoy it and it's going to be top 10 material for the end of the year for you or whatever the case might be. It's just more of, hey, I think you should watch this. Yeah, and you know, and that's that's one of the things I, I like to point out and you know, strike me down if you need to, but here, but I, this is the kind of film that I would never recommend you go see in a theater because I feel like the experience in a theater is not one that is, it does, it's not enhanced in this movie. Like this is an Amazon release it's going to be on Amazon in a couple months, probably. You could watch this at home in the comfort of your on the comfort of your couch, and maybe with your family to really discuss as it goes or whatever. And I think it would be just fine that way. All right, that's well said. I have to actually agree with you. Although I still advocate for people to go to movie theaters to support independent adult dramas. So <laughs> good for you. If, yeah, exactly. I know. I know. <laughs> so believe me, they they can use all the help that we can give. So in any event. Um, yeah, I think that's where my Oscar potential ends. Five out of 10 for me, six out of 10 for you. Ah, beautiful boy. Um, yeah, we'll settle, we'll settle for pretty instead of beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In any event, uh, Aaron, feel free to tell our, uh, dear listeners out there one more time, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, feelinfilm.com is where you can see updates about all of our content, uh, written reviews, and then of course all of our podcast episodes. We put out a main episode weekly, a few other mini-sodes throughout the month, and then I drop reviews uh, constantly throughout the week. I am a 
member of the Seattle Film Critics Society, so I'm heavily involved in trying to review everything I can this time of year. You can follow me on Twitter at Thielen Film, F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M. Well, I really, really appreciate having you on. It's been a long time coming. We've been friends online now for as long as I can remember at this point. No more than no more than three years, but as long as I can remember within that three-year period. <laughs> and so it's really, really great to finally have you here. And I really, really enjoyed our discussion here today. And I wholly recommend that everyone checks out Aaron's podcast and his website, Feel and Film. It is truly something really unique. And if you, I think you got a taste of it on this episode. So if you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe and check out his podcast. You can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Beautiful Boy here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, also on Acast, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate that level of feedback and support from you all. Write us a comment. Let us know what you think. And also, if you're feeling very generous, head on over to our Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. We shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.